Omega is probably one of the most recognizable brands in the world for timepieces. If you have an Omega and you're considering selling it or trading it in, here's what you need to know. Today with me, I have Nick, a huge Omega fan and pretty, uh, pretty knowledgeable about the brand itself to discuss what it takes to sell your Omega and what's the best way to do it. Nick, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. Avi, thank you for having me on the, uh, on the show again. Of course. <laughs> Nick, what do you got on your wrist over there? Uh, not an Omega. I oh. have a 36 millimeter Datejust. It's actually Peter's watch, but I'm... Uh, I was going to say, did you steal it from your girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing around. Yeah, it looks, like, it looks like a Peter watch. Nick, so we talked about selling Ro Rolexes previously. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about selling Omegas because they're a little bit more... There's a, probably a little bit more difficulty in selling an Omega than there is in selling a Rolex. Not just because the market, but in actually finding out the details of a Omega or your Omega and figuring out how much it would go for. How many, I guess how many is not really a good question. Have you dealt with customers by selling their Rolexes, trading in their Rolexes? You know, have, have you had any experience with that recently? Well, with Omega, obviously, yeah. Um, you know, the Omega, not Rolex. <laughs> Rolex, yes. Omega, no, I mean, no. it's, so I've kind of, you know, I've made it pretty well known that I do love, and I'm a huge fan of the brand Omega. My grandfather actually wore a Speedmaster, which is why I bought Amazing. a Speedmaster for my first watch. Um, so yeah, I, I deal with that, you know, pretty consistently. I get a, a good amount of people looking to either buy, you know, an older Omega or sell an older Omega. And there's a few different things that I kind of lead them towards or, you know, kind of have them avoid, if you will. Yeah. So Omega is one of those brands that doesn't get the hype as much. It doesn't get the the model appreciation. Mm -hmm. um, although it is a, a, a famous brand, they're solid watches. I mean, you can't, you, you can't say anything negative about them other than the fact that you know, it's not a Daytona. It's not, you know, it's not going to go up in price, you know, 3X, 4X, 5X, it's retail price, um, except for a couple of, you know, a handful of models like the Snoopy, for example. Right. Um, let's talk about the first part of trying to sell your Omega. First thing you need to know is which Omega do you have? I mean, there's a ton of Speedmasters, a ton of, you know, Seamasters? Yeah, so you have, look at your, your core models, right? So obviously the Speedmasters, Omega's most notable, you know. yeah line right but within that line you have the heritages you have the professionals you have reduced list goes on right and within those you know subcategories there's you know, four to five other references yeah. within that line so assuming you own an omega you, you you could see right on the dial it says speedmaster but you have no idea which speedmaster it is what the actual reference number would be mm -hmm. um, according to our research and our guide in in selling your omega there are two types of ways to to or two different methods of figuring out the reference number. So before 2007, it was engraved on right. the case itself. After 2007, it's no longer engraved on the case. Yeah, so the, the way to kind of look at that too is that you actually go by two different serial number patterns, right? So pre-2007, it was an eight-digit serial. Okay. So you would actually see on the, I'm sorry, eight-digit reference number. Uh, so you would actually see on the case back that eight-digit number okay. engraved in, right? Now, my Speedmaster Professionals of 2021 does not have that. The okay. only thing that it has it is the serial number, you know, encased in the bottom of the lug. But if I were to lose my papers, I would kind of be, you know, without having that knowledge, I wouldn't really know what my, you know, how modern my watch was, you know, yeah. or really anything about it. And obviously, Googling your serial number won't show you anything. No. 
Okay. No, we're not. And we assume Omega does not have a, a public database that you could search. Uh, you know. So Omega does, or they did have a, you know, my watch tab where you okay. can kind of register things online. For example, my Plo proof is registered. We'll uh -huh. get into that with archives later. Um, and then my Speedmaster are also registered to it. So, you know, I do have, you know, kind of more than ample enough, you know, information backed up with, you know, with Omega knowing that I own these watches and my cell phone. So assuming you're at a yard sale and you find an Omega, if it has a serial number engraved on the back, you right away know it's pre-2007. Yes, uh, but I believe they started doing that in what, the early 1980s? 1988. Okay, so early 80s, or late 80s. But if you were to go back even further into what they know as the bumper movements and things like that and the pie, uh, pie, pie pan dials, right? They did not engrave the serial or the reference number on the back of those watches. And I'm talking like watches from 19. I don't know, 60s and back, oh. right? So and the chances of you finding a you know a mega from the 80s in a garage sale, it, it's not unheard of. But maybe but, you handed down one from you know right. a father or a grandfather. Um, so just right off the bat, easy ways to tell you know at least a window of time would be is the reference number engraved right. on the back. If it is, you know right off the bat it's from, from 1988 to 2007. Yeah, Correct. After 2007, they went into a different reference number. Right, so system. they went to the 14-digit 14, 14 reference number, which I like to joke is the, uh, the cell phone number. So if yeah. you can remember someone, if you can remember that reference, you can remember. It's insane. So the re new reference number is broken down into numerous, I guess, categories of right. what it means. So I'm just going to, because I cannot remember 14 digits, nor can I remember the, the, <laughs> the naming convention that they used, I'm going to refer to my notes here and read this off to you. Group A refers to the mega family of watches. For example, 310 is a Speedmaster. Speed Group B refers to the case and bracelet material of the watch. For example, if the number is 30, it's steel. Another material for uh, steel and another material for the case plus assorted metal for the bracelet. Uh, could be steel in, in this instance, it's all steel. Group C refers to the case size. Example 42 equals 42 millimeters. Group D refers to the movement type. For example, 50 equals a mechanical chronograph. Group E refers to the dial color and material. For example, 01 equals black. And group F refers to the specific sequence number of the watch. For example, 001 is the first in that sequence. Right. So, you know, once I guess you figure out what the reference number is, you have every detail possible well, yeah. about the watch. But the, the, the funny part is not a lot of people know that you know, the spaces between numbers are actually representative of a group outside of, you know. I got you. Other fellow Omega nerds. Or people or, that are watching this episode. Exactly, now that you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, when I first, I remember doing, you know, I went head first into my love for Omega. When I bought my Speedmaster, I'm like, all right, well, why is this reference number 14 digits long? It makes no sense. Why yeah. can't it just be, you know, 116500 11, is a panda. Everyone knows that. I don't but, know. Well, now you know. Uh, now you take a Speedmaster that has 14 digits. Oh, you're talking about Rolex. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. To, 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 to gotcha, gotcha. You know, compare Rolex's main chronograph to Omega's, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I always wondered why Omega has such long reference numbers. And now I know. I know yeah. Still doesn't really, still unnecessary, I want to say. I um, think it's, you know, it really separates, you know, yeah. Omega from everyone else. I mean, look, the fact that you're... <laughs> 
you start reading off in the numbers and some halfway through, it's like, all right, you have an Omega. Can you just tell me what it is? Yeah. So that's, that's the conversation we typically have with Roman. Like who needs to know reference numbers? You know, I'm not saying Rolex one, one, six, five, five, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm saying it's a Rolex Daytona, you know, <laughs> black dial, you know, stainless, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's, that's much easier to understand. Right. When it comes to Omega, not a single person on earth knows the reference numbers. Well, I think I'm going to guess. I mean, I, I knew mine for a little bit and then I started buying other watches and I kind of lost like a credit card number. I know, which is horrible because I also remember my credit card number. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's, I completely lost my train of thought. Good. Because <laughs> now that we have this, this pause, I want to ask the audience to show us some support. If you like this episode, if you like the show, if you like us putting in the time and effort to do this, I ask you, I plead with you to please show the support, like, comment, subscribe, write a review if you're listening to this in your car on the way to work. Um, we want to keep doing this, but we need to see that what we're doing, we're doing well. Back to the episode. If you don't have the paperwork for the watch itself, which clearly would state the reference number, the serial number right. and everything, there are a couple ways to at least try to figure out which watch you have. Now, obviously the simplest way is to go to Omega.com and try to find your model, right? right. I mean, Omega does have, uh, and I will, you know, again, I know last time I was on the show, we kind of crapped on Omega, but I do have a very strong love for Omega, right? And I, I give a, a, a lot of applause to Omega because they keep all of, for the most part, all of their watches are still on the site. So let's say you were to go find, you know, for example, a older Seamaster from the 90s. If you were to type in that serial number or each blue wave dial Seamaster Professional Quartz mm -hmm. or whatever, nine times out of 10, Omega will actually be the, one of the first sites to pop up. Okay. Which is cool because that watch is, you know, was discontinued in the 90s. Yeah. So they will still have that information on their site. So you could find a reference number that way. You could also take a picture of your watch and try to do a Google mm -hmm. image search and search and see what comes up. Um, obviously you could use the forums, uh, Reddit, our watches or the subreddit watches. I think there's, there has to be a, an Omega subreddit. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, there's Omega forums, right. which is its own separate website. You could take it to an authorized Omega dealer and ask them, you know, what watch is this? Give me the reference number. And you could also order Omega extract papers. Tell me about extract papers. What does that mean? Yeah, so I actually went through this process a few months ago. Uh, my Omega Pro Proof was from the early 70s. It's like okay. one of the first ones really hit the market. And I have been hunting for this watch pretty much since I started here. I don't know why, it's an ugly piece of metal, uh, but it's mine and I love everything about it. Uh, but I wanted to make it as complete as possible. So I brought it to our local Omega boutique, kind of explained the situation. Uh, they sent the watch in to be checked out. I had actually had it serviced. Uh, and now I have a, oh, an original Omega Pro Proof with archive papers, right? And it's, mine was a little bit more expensive because there was, I had to factor in, you know, service and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, if you want to keep a watch as complete as possible and you want to make sure that it's certified, it is 100% authentic, it's the way to go. Okay. So we got the reference number figured out. We found it either using images, extract papers, um, case back. We got that part down. Next is we have the serial number. Now, the serial number is engraved on the case back. Now, is that for so all it's models, not on or? the case back it is technically it's right on the lugs okay so for the speedmaster i'm not wearing mine today but i believe if you flip it over it'll actually be right on the seven o'clock side okay and it typically has seven or eight digits i'm wondering whether that's i don't have that information here but i'm wondering whether that's standard throughout doesn't matter what year it was produced 
So I I only own two Omegas in my collection currently. Obviously the one from the 70s and then the one from 2021. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really speak too, too much when it comes to what... I know that the current Seamasters are also the same thing where it's engraved on the lugs. Uh, I've seen a few older Seamasters that do also have that engraving on the back, but they are most for the most part not engraved on the case back. Okay. They usually are set right on the lug hand side. They are also engraved on the movement itself. So right. if you get it open, you can right. see Then it you there. can double check it from yeah. there. Um, Omega does use a different serial number system for the Speedmaster. So if you're trying to determine, you know, when your Speedmaster was made, you have to look at the correct, you know, serial number chart. Not, you know, it's not going to, if you're popping into Google and hoping to, to find, you know, when it was made, Speedmasters are going to be different years than typical right. Omegas, according to our research, of course. Um, Obviously, we want to make sure that you never share your serial number publicly online. Right. You know, don't post it in a, in a forum and ask, hey, what year is this? Not a good idea. No. <laughs> no, it is not. The next part of being able to sell your Rolex, your Rolex, being your able Omega. to sell your Omega is documentation, boxes, you know, all papers, everything that you're able to gather along with it. Now, we did talk about extract papers, which means if you lost yours, they were damaged in the fire, you bought it without it. If you do want to have legitimate papers from Omega, how do you go through the extract process? Yeah, so it, you know, speaking of experience, I literally just walked in to Omega okay. with this watch that they had no idea, you know, what it was. And I was like, oh, this is an original proof, blah, 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 uh, you know. I want to get extract papers for it and have it serviced and get everything running correctly. Um, it was very simple. It took about, it's still, it's actually on its way back now. So it's been about six months since wow. I've had this watch. Keep in mind, this is, you know, it was an entirely stainless steel piece, right? So there's no way to get into the watch outside of pulling out the bezel, mm-hmm. the double crystals. It's a whole, whole ordeal. Wow. Uh, but I do know of people that have had older Speedmasters that they've got it back within two to three months. Okay. How much did it cost? Uh, with all the servicing and Forget everything servicing, I extract only, do you know? Uh, I'd, I'd have to, no, they didn't break it down for me. They just okay. told me what it was. Gotcha. Um, if you are missing, you know, any boxes, any papers, anything that would, you know, document that the watch is what it is or, you know, that it was originally purchased, you're looking at what, 10 to 20 less than if you have those yeah, as far I mean, as, as far as somebody paying you for it. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair number. The the problem with that is too is Omega unfortunately takes quite a hit when it comes to the resale market in general, yeah. right? Outside of your, you know, your limited edition pieces and your you know, your Snoopies and things of that nature which are not limited edition pieces, yeah. right? So typically, you know, and it's again, it's it, this is no knock on Omega, but there yeah. are so they are for the most part readily available. At any given time, the only models that are really hard to get are the Snoopies and certain, you know, limited editions and things of that nature, precious metals. Um, So without papers, I would say you're already taking a hit. You're going to take, you know, five, ten percent more on top of the hit that you'd be taking. Yeah, just for not having just for not having the papers. And on to figuring out how much you're going to be able to get for your Omega. Our typical sources for you know, are the public trying to find out the pricing for their watches. You know, you have eBay sold listings. If you go to eBay and you search for your specific reference number, you can filter it by seeing sold listings. And that will give you at least some indication of what your watch is worth on the market. Um, Now you have to understand that eBay also takes fees. Um, There are fees for servicing if the watch needs to be serviced. There are fees for marketing. There are fees for overhead if you're a, a large dealer like ourselves. So, 
if you saw it selling for $5,000, it's unlikely you're going to get $5,000 for it. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're using a platform like eBay or a platform like Corona24, because right. obviously you're factoring in those fees. Um, and it, the other thing that too really boils down to is what model you're, you know, you're selling and things of that nature and kind of what you bought it for. Price point on buying them originally is kind of what's key here. Let's assume, for example, I go into Google and I type in, you know, Speedmaster and the reference number and a bunch of websites come up, Corona24, eBay comes up, um, I don't know, a couple of uh, gray market dealers. I click on a gray market dealer's website, I look at the price. Let's just for shits and giggles assume that price is $7,000. How much less do you think they would have had to purchase the watch that'd be selling it for seven? I mean, look, I, not to go into too much detail, but I can tell you just from experience that go we're- Go into too much detail. Go into too much yeah. detail. Uh, I mean, we can get Omega you know, pretty much brand new for about anywhere from 15 to 25% off original retail okay right so let's say you're buying a sapphire sandwich which i believe before the price hike was just under eight grand right so let's just say 25 percent off which is high it all depends on what we're able to get it from at that time you know so we would really need to be 25 percent off of whatever the speedmaster was originally you know okay. and that's brand brand new i mean pre-owned you know that's when you start to really dip into the yeah you're taking even more of it um on that point is would Omega as a brand be considered a good trade-up watch? Because you clearly are going to get more value for it on a trade than you would on a buy. I I would agree to that to an extent. Certain models are take more of a hit than others, and you know they really don't trade well. For example, uh, you know Speedmasters really kind of hold that same value when it comes to trading. Uh, regardless. <sighs> Omega for me is that brand, or for Omega, the brand for me is more a brand that people who are true watch fanatics, right? They are people that love the Seamaster. They've had, you know, they've have a heritage with it. You know, like for example, like their grandfather's mm -hmm. wore one, or there's, you know, someone wore a Speedmaster, or so on and so forth. Um, so a lot of people will trade them, and then a few months later, I'm like, oh, I want another one. Like I miss my Speedmaster, right? So I, I, yeah. I, I to an extent, I agree that they're a good trade-up watch. But it all really depends on the model, condition, and what you have with it. Okay. So, I mean, it might even be because they're such watch fanatics, they're not looking to sell. They're not looking to trade. They're I mean, I think everyone kind of knows, you know, especially people that have owned a few Omegas, know that, you know, you're not buying the watch as an investment, mm -hmm. right? Outside yeah. of maybe buying a Snoopy or, you know, some, like with a Porsche Club of America Speedmaster, like things like that, those kind of, not the one-offs, but the, the harder to get pieces, right? I think that's kind of where you're looking at watches that it's like, all right, well, I'm going to buy this watch. There's only 1,200 of them made. Okay. This would actually probably be a good point to, to talk about the fact that like we have a partner that offers um, loans against watches. So if you own a Speedmaster, you probably purchased it because you you love it. You love right. the brand. You didn't buy it as an investment. If you need to access the value of that watch, which is why you're looking to sell it, for example, but you don't, you know, you might not want to get rid of it. Probably a good opportunity to take advantage of our, our partners, Wax. They offer yeah. lending against watches. You could borrow, I don't know, I think it's like up to 60% of the value of your watch at like super low interest rates and then pay it back and you still have your watch. Right. Um, Here's a question. If I'm looking to trade or sell my Omega, should I service it before doing so? It's a great question. Um, so I'm going to break this down into two parts. Any modern speed, any modern Omega, right? 
for the most part is what I like to call bulletproof, right? Your your new Speedmasters with the 18 or the newer caliber movement. I know it's 861. I'm not sure if it's 1861 or 3861. Brain things. Um, I have never had an issue with that watch. Okay. I've you know pretty much beaten the hell out of it. Now that being said, if let's say you have a Speedmaster reduced. Right, you probably bought that watch for under three thousand dollars, right? And if you got it at a great deal, you probably bought it for under two thousand dollars. The problem with that one, or the reduced movements, is they are notorious for high repair costs, okay, and are notorious for being unreliable, right? So, so you're screwed if you do. You're screwed if you don't. Exactly. (laughs) So my thing with that would be, you know, if you have an older one, just send it in. Just send it in because the whatever gray market dealer that you're selling it to already knows this information. They already know that they're going to, at minimum, going to have to put $500 worth of work mm-hmm. into that watch. And that's at minimum. Yeah. Right? Now, for the newer ones, like, we all kind of, you know, Marco and I have had this conversation many times where he's asked me about, you know, what what Speedmasters he should be buying, what Speedmasters he shouldn't be buying, you know. And he's also a whiz when it comes to movement, so he has a very good idea mm-hmm. of what's reliable and what's not. But even, you know, I, I try and keep everyone away from the, the reduced models because they're not, you know, unless if it's your first watch, it's like, well, I really just want a Speedmaster. I, I, I could care less, you know, as long as I have that, you know, the, yeah. the design for the most part outside of, you know, the Mach 40s and things like that have, has not changed over the past gotcha. 60 some odd years. So your answer is typically no. Yeah. I mean, look. To, to summarize, you know, the, the hour long spiel you just gave. Yeah. No. <laughs> My answer is no. Just okay. send it in. We'll take care of it. I mean, every watch that we, you know, we sell. Yeah. I mean, other than the time it takes, the cost could be anywhere between 500 to $1,000. Plus, if it's a vintage watch, you know, you want to, you know, most people prefer it in its original, you know. Exactly. I guess, condition. Well, and with its original parts, correct. There and not go. any reproduction. So, shameless plug here. Um, <laughs> we do buy Omegas. We buy plenty of Omegas. So, let us know if you want to sell your Omega because we are, they're, they're a great watch to have in stock. The brand in as a general is a great starter brand and yep. it's a great way to get people into the, you know, the collector. Yeah, we have a ton of demand for Omegas. So, if you're selling your Omega, <laughs> visit sell.luxurybazaar.com today that was very qvc of you there you go um <laughs> nick anything else we should add to people that are looking to sell their omegas anything they should know no i mean i would think do your research before you start selling anything you know or make, just call us or just call us <laughs> i mean listen we're more than happy to talk to you about you know anything that you need when you're looking to sell you know if you have any certain questions about you know whatever or phones are always on yeah or text us or email us or whatsapp us you know you could do all these sorts of great things today um Nick, thank you so much for your time and for your Omega knowledge and experience. I appreciate it. I hope that our audience appreciate it as well. If you like this episode, please make sure to subscribe, like, comment, share, tell the world about us, and we'll keep doing this as much as we can for you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you guys next time. See you later.